What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we get into some Christmassy spooky content for you. It's real this time. We're getting into it. Santa Claus is truly coming to town early, two weeks early. Mm-hmm. If we're being quite honest with you. But you know what? It's okay because this is not a Santa you want to have in town. So no. honestly, miss me. <laughs> Truly. This is one of those uh you don't want to be naughty around kind of Santas. This is the bad Santa, but not the movie. Like the actual mm-hmm. bad Santa Claus. Yeah. Yeah. This is the uh this is the naughty Santa. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like, bro, follow your own rules. Like, oh, what do you mean? <laughs> so we can't we can't be naughty, but you you can do whatever. Like, okay, sure. It's a little hypocritical. I agree. I agree. Do you do you remember when in life you started hearing or realizing that so many of like your childhood folk tales and fairy tales were all based on like really dark stories? I think I was in middle school because we actually had to do a um (laughs) we actually had to do a school project. Where it was like taking all of the Disney fairy tales and doing the actual fairy tales. We had to write a storybook. Or I'm sorry, not write. We had to illustrate a storybook based on the actual fairy tales. And obviously all of them were dark. And I think I got, I think I did Cinderella because I'm pretty sure in the original one, that's the one where the sisters are forced to like wear shoes that are too small and dance until they die or something <laughs> with Jesus them, like a, I don't know it was something it was something something like that but that was when I first realized that all that stuff that was all sweet and sugary and and nice uh had been created that way so that children didn't fall into despair Got hearing you. the actual tales <laughs> right so so you like read through like all the like grim tales and like all those stuff or at least to the, the ones that, that I you was, needed to. The ones that I was interested in. Like, because okay. uh, there's so many of them. But I really just looked at the ones where Disney had made movies on them. Because I just wanted mm-hmm. to see what the actual endings were. And in most of them, nobody's happy <laughs> by the end of them. <laughs> They're all so sad. <laughs> what about you? I feel like similarly, probably like middle school, high school-ish is when I got introduced to the idea that these stories were based off of something else. Um, I think I was very naive up until that point. And I got to say, although I'm somebody who does appreciate the search for knowledge and I like learning new things, that was one of the things that I may have been okay being in the dark about, um, Mm. just simply because a lot of those tales are just so much darker than the stories that you're used to. Um, It was always such a downer. And like, I think that led me down the path of just pessimism. What's the real story behind this? Mm. Like, what's really going on? When you're talking about Dr. Seuss, who was this doctor? Where did he get his PhD? 
yeah, what's where did he get his uh, where is he accredited? What university uh, is he accredited from? Where did he do his residency? <laughs> um, because I'm sorry, green eggs and ham. That's sick. And I feel like a real doctor would not advise anybody to eat that. But OK. Right. But I do think this idea in this movie about like the Coca-Cola Santa Claus um, is very yeah. interesting. One, that was just like the best way to describe it. But two, it is true that, like, I feel like there are a lot of different mythos around the holiday times, around Christmas, Santa, Krampus, all that stuff. There's a lot of different stories based on what region you're in. Just some of the stories and tales are, once again, very, very dark and very, very grim. Oh, yeah. Um, immediately, yes. Uh, and also, too, I have we talked about before finding out Santa wasn't real? I mean... I think I so. I think we have. But I will say, I don't know why watching this movie in particular made me think about all of the <laughs> all of the work that you have to do to keep the facade of Santa Claus alive if that is what you are doing with your children and like mm -hmm. to keep that pretty polish on it because as we see in this I I am honestly surprised that I didn't find out from other kids or something that santa wasn't real i found out on my own because mm. i was fucking snoopy but even in this one we see that around that age where kids start do start to realize that the tales that they've heard are maybe not true or they're made up or or they have been kind of had a whimsical spin on put on them by adults it's it's interesting to see how that can trickle down to other kids who right. maybe do still still believe and i don't know i like the whole santa claus thing i will probably do that with my kids but i could see how for depending on the type of kid that could really very much be earth shattering to like <laughs> believe <laughs> this thing for so long and then to find out that it's not real or to find out that in certain places in certain circumstances it has a it's like a much more dark version of what you're used to Mm -hmm. I can see that being a little bit of a okay. an early crisis, yeah, an early it life problematic. crisis. Yeah, I yeah, but I will say I think finding it out on your own or finding out like from your parents or just at home that may be the way to do it because I feel like nobody wants to be like at school and have one of their friends be the one that drops that bomb on them. Like, bro, Santa. Yeah, like be fucking for real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, nobody wants to be in that position. So I just feel yeah. like if you're going to go down that route with your children to, like, teach them all the joy and love of Santa Claus, you also have to take the responsibility of being the ones that reveal to your kids that they're not real. You know, mm -hmm. like, the good has to come with the bad. The naughty has to come with the nice. If you're going down that route, just know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, that day's going to come and it'll be better if you can kind of present it gently than a huge truth bomb coming out on them. And I will also say I was uh, under the assumption for the majority of my life that Santa Claus was black. So when other people were saying <laughs> that he was white, I was like, that's kind of funny because I could have sworn that every Santa in my house had melanin. And so I convinced myself that Santa would change to fit the, the kid Oh, actually, I, actually I, like that. I decided that when I was a kid that he would just change how he looked 
to mm-hmm. be whatever the kid like wanted him to look like. So I was like, oh, yeah, for, for, him, for him, me, he'll be black. But yeah, for you, Catherine, he probably <laughs> will be white. <laughs> I like that, though. I like the idea of the all-inclusive Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> I had to make it work. I had to make it work in my brain somehow. <laughs> hey, we support that. <laughs> All that being said, we have a different version of Santa Claus to talk about yes. today. Uh, the Finnish version yes. of Santa Claus. Uh, so this is exciting. This is a lot of new stuff for me. I'm assuming so for you as well, because I think this is a first time watch for both of us, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I've heard about this movie a lot, but I had never seen it. Uh, this was my first time. I knew very little about it going in. Um, so I went in with a fairly clean slate, mostly clean slate all right fair enough same here same here so uh shall we then um slide on into the episode before we slide on in oh shall you're right sh- shan't we say mm-hmm. <laughs> lest we forget for dear old santa claus in this one <laughs> um on a scale of one to five five being the naughtiest and one being the nicest how scary is this movie i'm gonna say a 1.5 okay uh, now, I will say, as I'm getting more used to the scare scale, I think I'm getting better at where I'm placing these. But I'm going to say like one, one and a half, just because there's nothing in this that's particularly like super scary, in my opinion. I think some of the mythos around the things that are happening is creepy and unnerving. And again, depending on your age, certain things might be a little bit scarier. But I think throughout most of this, it plays out a little bit more as like a dark comedy Mm. than as like super horror for me. So I'm going to say like 1.5. Okay. I'm actually going to give this a two um, because I actually feel like the mythos that we get behind Santa Claus in this movie is one of the scarier versions that I have seen in a Christmas horror movie. Um, considering it is like the real Santa Claus, not just some guy who's dressed as Santa or whatever. I actually feel like a lot of the elements are creepy and the way that they act is creepy because it's just different than what I've seen in the past where they are a little bit over more over the top. Mm-hmm. They're not scary, but I'm not going to. It's just unnerving. Um, yeah. But you're right. A lot of it has more of a light tone, light whimsical tone to it. So it never goes too far. But just for the characterization of that alone, I had to bump it up a little bit. Okay. But now that we've gone through the scare scale Christmas edition, let's get into, let's get into, uh, I was trying to think of something clever. Let's just get into it because <laughs> I can't think of anything. <laughs> Roger that. Let's get into Santa's bag. <laughs> That's yeah, what I there it is. There it is. All right, homies, we are en- <laughs> we are entering into spoiler territory, so you have been warned. But today we're going to be talking about rare exports from 2010. Now, before I go into the full breakdown synopsis, we will say that this is a Finnish film, so the names are going to be a little foreign for me. And I'm sure for Erica as well, so forgive us for any mispronunciations. But um, this movie was directed by Jelmari Hellander, also written by Jelmari with some help from Juso Hellander, along with Petri Jokaranta, starring Jorma Tomila as Raulno, and his son, 
Unitomila as Pietari. Santa Claus, a name and tale as old as time. Many tales of the jolly old man exist throughout the world, but in northern Finland, there are whispers of a much different Saint Nick. And when the Sub-Zero firm excavate a local landmark, they unknowingly release the spirit of Christmas, putting Pietari, his father, and the people of his town in mortal danger. Insert fresh-baked gingerbread cookies, kids with guns, and a legion of warrior elves here. Our film concludes with Pietari and company executing a plan to stop Santa. But can they succeed against a force as old as the mountains themselves? Also, roll up your sleeves and prepare the dynamite. We've got a grave to rob. Roll credits. Okay, so... I looked up because I wanted to see, I think at, like at the end of the movie, there's this title card that says rare exports, it's like a Christmas tale from the land of Santa Claus or something. Mm-hmm. It says something similar to that. And I, so I wanted to look that up because I, I was interested to see what it, the vil- validity of that. I, was, right, I right, don't right. know what that means. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, so just something that I thought was interesting is that Finland is where Santa Claus comes from. If you ask people who live in Finland, they will see that Santa Claus comes from Finland because they believe that his workshop is located there. Okay. In lore, that's where his his workshop should be located. And apparently... St. Nicholas became known in Finland during the 1800s and they mm-hmm. blended his image with a pre-existing tradition of I, I don't want to I don't want to butcher anything so I'm just going to say <laughs> I'm just going to say it's a pre-existing tradition of a masked kind of character that they have called the Yule Goat and what that character did is it handed out gifts instead of demanding them and Santa Claus will, although like for us, Santa Claus climbs down the chimney in their version, the figure would be clad in red robes and it would knock on the door and ask, are there any well-behaved children here before delivering gifts? And then apparently they would return to an area where because of like the way that the area was, the way that the sound traveled in it, they believed that that was the way that Santa Claus could hear everything and know if people are being good or bad. Okay. But yeah, I just thought that that was interesting. I think they're still kind of lobbying to say that I believe it's specifically Lapland is mm-hmm. where they're they're saying is like the home of Santa Claus, which is also very good for their tourism, um, right. which I think is another reason that they really want to hold on to that tradition mm-hmm. and that idea. But I just thought that was interesting because I was like, I had never heard that before. I never heard of Finland being called the land the of home santa claus of santa. yeah yeah the home of santa claus so i just wanted to look up why why that was thank you for that because like i yeah. feel like i've never in my life taken santa claus that deep you know like i don't <laughs> think i've ever like beyond the fact that this guy in a red suit mm-hmm. will come and deliver presents i think that's the extent 
of the Santa Claus knowledge that I felt like I needed in my life. You know, yeah. everything else was like icing on the cake. Right. Well, and of course, too, it's I, I think, too, there and they mentioned this in the movie, they get the Coca-Cola version of Santa Claus that we get as well. So mm -hmm. I think nowadays the Santa maybe kind of across the board in places besides places that really hold on to that tradition, um, kind of all have a similar look for Santa Claus. But I thought it was important in this movie because we do see a different variation of Santa Claus that is steeped in that same idealism that they have because it comes from, because the name originates from like the Christmas goat, because that is a pagan tradition, it meant that men dressed up in upside down fur coats with horns on their heads. And mm -hmm. we see that in this movie. That's where they get like the big horn yeah. sticking out of the ice that we assume there's a whole Santa, <laughs> a whole kind <laughs> of Santa, Santa a whole ass Santa beneath those horns. But I mean, that's just steeped in their variation of Santa that like we would never have in, in America unless we were doing like a Krampus. Cause that's the only time yeah. I've seen that variation with the horns that's, is Krampus. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too, is like a lot of the lore that I think this specific Santa is based in reminded me a lot of Krampus. And then mm -hmm. it's been a while since we've covered like a Krampus movie. So my knowledge about the Krampus lore is a little fuzzy at the moment, but a lot of the things that I attribute to Krampus, like the horns, the punishing of the kids, the like boiling in the cauldron and stuff that all seems very reminiscent of the Krampus idea. Yeah. So it was very interesting to see it presented here as a just straight up that's that's the old school Santa. That's how that's how Santa used to do things, you know, before things got too PC for him. He couldn't right. boil people in cultures anymore. Yeah, when it started to be frowned upon to to, to kidnap to, children. Yeah, to grab kids in little little sacks and <laughs> thwack them i think is what he <laughs> says is gonna happen to them um i guess but he also says that they're gonna be eaten by yeah. santa there's a couple different allusions to what might happen to these children and evidently every single child in this village is is naughty but see that's why i'm saying this santa is a little bit loosey-goosey i feel like with what me <laughs> what the what kind of means them being on the naughty list and what means them being on the nice list because legitimately it seems like they have every single child in a sack yeah i think so i i think it's even in the storyline too that pietro is the only kid that didn't get snatched and by pure luck <laughs> by pure luck because i think uh there is argument there that we see some less than nice activity from pietro mm -hmm. but he still manages to not get scooped up. Yeah. Well, and the only reason he manages to not get scooped up is his elf that was assigned to him fell into a trap. <laughs> <laughs> like he literally only got lucky because his dad broke the law. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> the only reason that this kid was running and kicking throughout this entire movie. So what we're trying to say here is if you're on the naughty list, the best way to protect yourself is to set elaborate traps mm -hmm. for Santa Claus and hope that either he or his elf get killed. <laughs> well, That's... yeah. If, like, Macaulay Culkin has not taught you anything, um, <laughs> it is to at least have a house full of traps set around Christmas just in case. You never know. You might have you wet band-aids or you might have evil elves, but you'll be safe. 
<laughs> regardless. <laughs> regardless. Uh, but all right, let's uh, go ahead and hop into the nitty gritty of this film in particular. Um, so, Erica, would you be so kind as to let me know what is in your notebook? Okay. Well, the first note I wrote is, um, is this guy about to make out with this ice sample right now? Because (laughs) (laughs) we start this movie with two Americans, actually, which completely threw me off. I thought this was one of those situations where I was like, oh, they're doing the English dub. Let me change it. But Mm -hmm. no, they are Americans. They are meant to be Americans in this movie who are coming specifically here to basically dig santa from his grave (laughs) but his grave is being shrouded by a mountain um but it did throw me off at first because when they started speaking english i really did think it was like a dub but we meet these two what are they who what is their job like who are what do they do i don't remember (laughs) i just know they're like they're the sub-zero firm yeah. And I'm assuming with a name like that, it has something to do with the hunting of Santa Claus and or things that may be trapped under ice. Because that seems to be what they right. do. They find things in the ice and then sell these things. But it also seems like, so the one guy, the one guy that I thought was going to French kiss that ice, mm-hmm. he is the one who's very, very much into what they're doing. He seems to be the one who actually knows what's underneath while everybody else seems like they were hired by him to produce whatever thing he's looking for. Um, But he specifically is like, ah, nah, there's a man. (laughs) There's a (laughs) big old man down there with a white beard (laughs) that I want to see. And so he's... Legend says. (laughs) As the prophecy foretold. (laughs) But yeah, he's the one who is leading the excavation. And Mm -hmm. he's giving me very much... I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Hook with Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, he is giving me energy of the old guy who's like has the glasses and he's kind of crazy because he used to be Mm -hmm. a lost boy. And he's like, hook, hook. That's why he has the same energy that this (laughs) man is giving about Santa Claus because he is crazy. Gentlemen, listen up. My dream since my early childhood is about to come true. I can proudly say that we are standing on a sacred grave on the biggest burial mound in the world. This remarkable place puts even the pyramids to shame. It took the Sami people of Lapland centuries to build this mound. You have 24 days to open it. Roll up your sleeves. Repair the dynamite. Do what you do best. You have a grave to rob. And he knows the lore and the rules that they should adhere to to stay safe. He knows them, but he had never, 
outrightly tells anybody that it's very that it's like a life or death situation to like if you don't follow these rules then you will die he never says anything like that so nobody takes him seriously as a result every single man that got hired to work on this excavation gets slaughtered (laughs) (laughs) it's so true because he's very vague about it and He's not vague about the Santa idea. He's he's no. upfront about that. He's like, look, we got something Santa-related down here that's worth a lot of money and is very important to me. Let's go get that. However, he does hand over, like, this list of rules of things that you shouldn't do. But, yeah, he doesn't ever state that, like, if you don't follow these rules, you die. Like, yeah. No. He's just like, oh, these are safety rules. Okay. Yeah, he's, I think I think his words were, "It's Christmas time, so you should act like it." Like, yeah, what does that, yeah. What does that mean? Let's what does that act mean? Like it. It's like, oh, first of all, uh, Christmas is in twenty five days, <laughs> so <laughs> it just hit December. And yeah, secondly, what does any of this have to do with acting like it's Christmas time? Because that is something that we come to see through throughout. Is there is this element? It's not just the kids who need to worry about being naughty. It's everybody but i do think that there is a side of this as well where there is a predisposition for these elves and for santa to just have more of a killer instinct (laughs) than Mm -hmm. a regular good merry and bright instinct so it kind of doesn't really matter what you do in the end they're probably going to kill you particularly if you're in their way um but that's not what this guy believes this guy really does think if you play your cards right that you could get on the nice list and santa will pardon you in some way um and he gets an axe to the head as a result of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, very, he's very confident in these rules and regulations of dealing with santa um but apparently they didn't mean shit in the end also he kind of looks like scrooge mcduck now that i think about it <gasps> yeah he he's, does he's, he's he's given some scrooge mcduck in the outfit and i'm not mad at it he's got a little bit of drip on him that jacket kind of fly it's fresh it's, it's a of, little fresh. It's a little fresh. I'm not going to lie. When he stepped down out of the helicopter, he looked dope. He did. <laughs> I mean, everybody kind of looks cool in this movie. They have they have cool outfits, though. There is a lot of, I think, dressing for the weather and the environment where mm. I'm assuming it's got to be cold as cold as all hell over yeah. in northern Finland. Um, they look it looks frosty. Like, I can't be sure, but it looks like there's a little bit of frosting on the lens. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Look like a little bit of frostbite there on, on the gate I think of I can the see lens. One of the cameramen, <laughs> they tried to hide him as a snowman. You yeah. ain't you ain't fooling nobody. Yeah, there's a you can see an icicle in the top frame of one of them, but if you look closer, it's actually the boom mic. <laughs> <laughs> um also just because my first note is here um are these kids who are there are these two kids who are spying on our excavators right Mm -hmm. our main two juso and pietari are they hiding behind explosives did i see that correctly (laughs) yeah i i I think so i think they're actually hiding behind the explosives that they end up using later oh okay but it's because we've got these two kids who are yes snooping 
on this huge operation just because they want to know what's going on. To be fair, this mountain is kind of right next to their town. And so it's not like it's hard to, it's not like you're going to miss this happening. It's very obvious that something's happening up there. Not to mention that they then begin to basically set off explosives on that mountain from December 1st all the way through December 23rd. (laughs) They are blowing things up on this mountain. So these kids are interested in it. They want to know what's going on. And we have this dynamic between these two kids where we have our main protagonist, who is uh, PA3, who's a bit, who's more innocent. And I think they're supposed to be the same age, but yeah, there is definitely so. there's definitely a difference in the way that they act, and I just think that that is partly because of the way that they've grown up. Um, and for Pietri, he's more innocent, more childlike, uh, a little bit more still ready to believe in the magic and. Very inquisitive, though. He's a very curious kid. He does not listen ever. Ever. Not once (laughs) did this kid (laughs) get told something and listen to what was said, Um, particularly from his dad. Uh, He might as well have just been quiet because nothing (laughs) he said was was clicking for him. But yeah, he's he's definitely still on the Santa Claus train, but it's it's. I like that when we meet him, he's still on the Santa Claus train and that never changes. But what changes is he goes from loving Santa Claus to being afraid of Santa Claus kind of a thing. It's not like he thinks, oh, Santa's not real. He always believes that he's real. He just realizes that the shiny cookie cutter Santa that he's been shown is the facade. And Mm -hmm. what's underneath that is much more devious yeah but what i'm curious about is like i'm assuming he had all of these books on santa claus did he just not read them up until now or did they already have somewhat conceptually this idea of their version of santa because i part of me has to assume that like the lore of santa claus for that area would be different if all of their books are showing you this kind of more vengeful version of santa claus um however he still like you said seemed to have some of that mysticism that i think the rest of the world has towards santa and that was kind of confusing for me right it it, uh maybe he had ran to the library on his way home unless (laughs) it's one of those things where maybe it's just that he did always have that book but never actually cared to read it i Mm -hmm. had because i know i did stuff like that when i was a kid i had a shit ton of books that i was like oh cool and then i just never (laughs) never read them um so it could be one of those things where he just always had that book he knew it was like a santa claus book but maybe it was just a lot going on in there and he was like "Ah, i don't really need to i don't want to sit down and read this but then when faced with the possibility yeah, he was cramming them books like I do or I did in like middle school and high school before a test. Yeah. Like, yeah, he speed reads and basically realizes, oh, I'm fucked. Because he, he, that's another thing for him for the beginning of this movie is he really kind of grapples with this 
feeling of am I a good kid or Mm -hmm. have I been naughty? And if Mm -hmm. I've been naughty, then like, oh, it's a rat for me kind of a thing. And so for the first half of this, he's really battling some serious emotional um, uh, warfare because he knows. So we come to find out that his dad and presumably um Jooso's dad as well like they harvest meat and mm-hmm. sell specifically reindeer specifically meat. reindeer which uh, is uh i think a popular food in finland uh like a popular meat i guess i should okay. say to eat um in finland so yeah they they hunt reindeer and then he kind of like uh, butchers the meat and then they ship it out to places and yeah. Right away, every single reindeer has been slaughtered. Um, yeah. I do have a question about that, though. So, so that was... Never mind. I just answered my own question. That was the elves. Yeah. It had to, it had to be the elves. Yeah. But I think what's, what's curious to me, though, is this concept. So once they find out about all the slaughtered reindeer, they also find the hole mm-hmm. that Pietri and Giusso uh, left when they went to go spy on the people. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of curious about whether or not that hole actually meant something or if it was just, like, a moral battle for Pietri. Because, like, would the elves still have gotten out if that wasn't there? I have to assume they would have, but... yeah. I think that they would have. I I think, yeah, I think that whole just represented a moral dilemma for Pietre, where he was like, we did that. We made that hole. They're all under the impression that wolves came through the hole, specifically mm-hmm. Russian wolves came through the hole. And which are built different, if you didn't know. are wolverines, I must assume. <laughs> At, the X-Men, not the animal. <laughs> um <laughs> I, yeah, came through the hole and slaughtered all of this reindeer. So then it kind of falls. He's feeling like the blame falls on him and he's ruined $85,000 is how much they would have made off of the reindeer by their calculations, give or take. Mm-hmm. And so in his head, he he feels like that is something that he caused and he can tell that it's taking a huge toll on his father. And so that becomes his big, like, naughty battle is he knows that that was something that they did that they shouldn't have done. And he wants to confess. um, But because he was with someone else who doesn't want to confess and who is much more of a bully (laughs) than and (laughs) has a little bit um, more kind of aggression towards the situation, he doesn't. Yeah. And now I will say we call them kids, but in Pietri and Jusso's regard, it's more just like 40 year olds in children's bodies because they are walking around with loaded rifles. Yeah. Um, I, C- I Unlit cigarettes. Unlit <laughs> cigarettes, which I was going to say, I love that little moment um, between like uh, Pietri's dad and Jusso where he's like totally fine with both of them having loaded weapons. But when he asks him for a light for the cigarette, he's like, are you joking? Yeah. Don't smoke. Absolutely. That's dangerous. Not. <laughs> but he's like, you better cock your gun and get ready to shoot. Get the cigarette <laughs> out of your mouth. Well, and and he gives. So it's probably his assumption that Pietre is going to 
go into the same business as him or at least help him with the business as he gets older mm -hmm. and so he's like hey this is your hunting rifle now um yeah. to use and it's kind of a you can kind of tell that he was not expecting to just be handed the gun right then and the way that this kid is just swinging this gun all around pointing <laughs> at people with it using it to gesture it's like an extension of his hand now he is just using it to, to point over at the reindeer and stuff and he's like hey um i legit i really thought he was accidentally gonna shoot somebody i thought that this was gonna be like a, a play on a christmas story the right. red <laughs> the red BB gun, red rifle BB gun where he shoots his eye out. But in this one, Pietro was going to, like, kill somebody. <laughs> right, truly. <laughs> and uh, I'm not really a gun person, but I have to say, seeing him just slinging around a gun the same size as his body was the most adorable thing. Like... <laughs> and he has a, such a cute outfit on. It's like a quintessential, a like, I'm a Christmas kid in a Christmas movie outfit. Mm -hmm. But like the the way that this movie tackles innocence and also like upbringing in different areas, I do think is very interesting, too, because like you do see it with uh, Pietri's dad where mm -hmm. he is in a way trying to preserve his son's innocence because like you've got the whole thing with the smoking, even when he goes into or he goes to go talk to him and he's doing the butchering stuff. He's telling him, oh, close your eyes. I don't want you to see the i don't want you to see the imagery here of like what i'm doing at work i just think the juxtaposition of that with also taking him out hunting and giving him a loaded weapon and even later on allowing him to participate in some of the later plans which they didn't really have much of a choice there mm -hmm. but just this idea that like this small child who has such an innocent air around him has to be such a grown-up in so many circumstances well, and it's interesting because I honestly didn't know what the father-son journey was going to be like in this movie, but it really does kind of boil down to his dad wanting him to be ready for more adult things and kind of to move past this. Like kid phase. Yeah, this really childlike phase that he's going through. It seems like his dad is really... But I guess in the end, it kind of feels like... Whereas his dad was sort of pushing him and trying to mold him in a way that was probably similar to the way that he kind of like grew up and learned these things. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to do it in a very specific way that is not really working for the type of child that Pietri is. And I feel like by the end, maybe he comes to realize that it's only through the belief in Santa Claus and the the way that Pietri is a, as himself handles that. It's only through that that he's the only one who really knows what to do when yeah. everything is going wrong. And so I think maybe his dad realizes like, oh, OK, you are a man in your own way. Like you are an adult in a lot of ways that I'm not. And mm -hmm. so that's good. Like. That's good that I maybe I don't have to worry about you as much as I as I thought. But I will say I was looking for I thought there would be a little bit more of a resolution for the emotional some of those emotional moments that we saw earlier, like when they're having the conversation. And you can really tell that the, the dad is 
kind of shutting down and not able to be affectionate and emotional with his son. And yeah. there's this idea that the mom is no longer around. She's passed away at some point. And so the dad is kind of having to be both sides and he's not really doing a great side, doing great with the more emotional aspect of their relationship. I, yeah. did, I did think that that was going to come back around. It doesn't really. Not really. No, not really. <laughs> but I think it's just in the nature of the way the plot goes in this one and how things escalate. It just seems like they have more things to worry about. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of gets lost in um, during the journey. Um, but I do enjoy and I find some fun in the fact that a lot of times in like horror you'll have the character or the audience will serve as that character who knows what's going on and knows like what to do in the situations. And I do think it was very smart having Pietri be the one that knows everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And I love the way that the way, the way that Pietri operates is very much like final girl energy. Like he's, <laughs> he's doing everything that you need to do. He's, he's making every fail safe He's mm -hmm. making the plans. He's doing the research. Like, he's doing everything. But because it's such a silly idea that it's Santa Claus, nobody wants to believe him. So, it for me, it was just very fun to, like, have that role be played by basically the youngest person in the mm -hmm. cast. Because it really, I think, adds to this Christmas tale aspect of it. And I think that's what gives this story, which if you looked at it with a different lens, could be a lot more grim. Still has this kind of, like, upbeat, like, lightness to it because you're following this child. But you're following a child that knows how to get shit done. Like, when it's yeah. time to, like, get stuff done, Pietri is the guy to go to. Yeah, he's about his business. Um, and I think one of my favorite... Because from the beginning, from the minute he found out what Santa Claus really was, he was like, it's on site. He had been ready. <laughs> he had been planning and trying to have precautions set just in case Santa wanted to roll up acting kind of funny. Like basically he was ready for that moment. It just happened differently than he was expecting it to. But I think he does. It's cool to see him pivot. And I think one of my favorite moments of like that early on of him just trying to discover what's going on is when he's calling through all his friends right? and realizing that, none of them ever woke came down on Christmas day. And, and he realizes that that means that all of them have been taken. Mm -hmm. I love when he's putting all of that together. And, and even when he goes in and meets the, who he thinks is Santa Claus and he knows right away, he's like, he's been spying on us. Yeah. <laughs> this old, <laughs> this old man <laughs> has been spying on us because he's Santa Claus. Um, I, and, and, it actually is very nice, too, because although the adults are skeptical, I kind of like this whole aspect of the money because as a result of them needing whatever money they could potentially get from having this person, they're willing to go along with this. They're willing yeah. to move the plan forward. And I feel like if you didn't have the money aspect, there wouldn't be a reason for them to want to do anything with this person. And yeah. so you would have a little bit more of that pushback where you're just waiting for them to get on board. But I like that they already are on board, whether they believe it or not, because they know that they'll get some kind of financial gain out of this. And mm -hmm. also... It's like enough weird stuff has happened that they're not totally willing to shoot that idea down yet because 
enough weird stuff has happened with this old guy where they're like, yeah, he's definitely not normal. Like, <laughs> there's yeah. definitely something going on. Something's wrong with this man's. Mm -hmm. it, it's very true. But, like, I that's what I enjoy is because I really feel like they do, like, a combination of you're watching, like, a Christmas story with Pietri and then you're watching, like, a creature feature with literally everyone else while they try and like figure out what they're dealing with. Yeah. And I think the combination of those two things meshes very well and still giving you the air of a scary or horror film, but still remaining in the realm of like a holiday Christmas film. I think it tackles both sides pretty evenly. And that was definitely a big pro for me. Although it wasn't my favorite choice to have, like, a lot of the deaths be, like, people just basically, like, getting snatched and disappearing, mm -hmm. I do think it works for this movie particularly because it just stays in line with, I think, the tone of things. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a little jarring at first. I was like, oh, that's how we're... I thought it was going to be, like, a one-off thing. Like, we'd have it in that, like, one scene. Mm -hmm. But that seemed to be the mode of operation for most of the people except Scrooge McDuck, who takes the axe in the back yeah, of the head. Yeah, who gets axed and it's cut in a way where it happens way super fast <laughs> you don't really see mm -hmm. very much you see him get the axe but you don't see where the axe come from it's like all yeah. of a sudden this man has an axe in his head <laughs> and you think whoa i think it just took me by surprise because i didn't think yeah you're right i didn't ever think we would see any violence of that nature um in this movie we see the after effects of things like uh like earlier in the movie when the dad's friend that he leaves to watch the their hostage mm -hmm. gets his ear bit it was one of those things where you don't see the actual act of it happen but you do see the after effects you do see like that he's still yeah. bleeding and that something bad did happen it's implied violence um but i i think that that works for this movie because it keeps the tone lighter um it could have worked i mean i definitely think if there was more violence it could have worked but mm -hmm. i do also think having the implied violence helps in the sense of you don't really ever know how powerful these elves are true it's it, you never really know the full extent of what they can do, which for me actually kind of adds to their creepiness. True. Um, True. In a way it, that, that I don't know. The if imagination factor. Yes. Yes. If we had been seeing them dueling all of these things, I don't know if I would have felt the same way, but with the way that it's shot and the implications of everything, it feels like they're, it feels like they're very fast, very sneaky and very aggressive. Mm -hmm. But for us, that's a little bit more of on the, on the low, on the down low. But I don't yeah. like that. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I think, once again, it was a good choice for the kind of movie that they were going for. Um, what's interesting is because of the nature of, like, the way things look and how things are shot, everything has a bit of, like, this kind of, like, grayness to it, like, this this harshness to everything. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's just because, you know, you're in a cold region, lots of snow, mm -hmm. kind of an inevitable look. But... There are times when the movie seems like it could slip into, like, hyper-violence, but it never really does. I think one big scene for me was, like, the first time we see um, the dad butchering the reindeer, right? Mm. Something about the way that that shot was set up with, like, Pietri in the background, and then you just see this carcass and him just slicing into the carcass. It's just butcher work, but the way that you see it can imply that oh, this movie at some point may slip into some kind of violence. Like, yeah. you may go there. And that's what I thought 
initially going into things is like at some point this story is going to slip into some kind of like hyper violence but it never does Mm -hmm. and i think for for good reason it never does um but also since we were bringing up the elves um for the plot point of at some point we have we've got this guy he's captured um we are all assuming this is santa claus because we have no reason not to think that it's not Santa Claus. Right. Um, but when they go to do the handoff to exchange this guy for money, turns out it's not Santa It's not Santa Claus. It's just one of the elves. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that plot twist simply for the fact that I don't think I've ever seen anyone portray Christmas elves in that manner before. Mm-hmm. Right. I liked that a lot (laughs) i (laughs) thought that that was so because uh, this movie to me also kind of felt like a mystery there are a lot of aspects of it that you really didn't understand until we got to a little bit before the climax of the movie and then Mm -hmm. everything really started to make sense and i loved that reveal but yeah it was cool to see i think especially for americans who that is what we would assume santa would look like that's just your assumption it's like okay yeah the santa whatever and but then at the same time it just doesn't make sense and so there's like this weird gnawing feeling of what's going on like why is it this easy yeah. but then at the same time you're like but obviously that's santa claus but then when you find out that the real santa looks so different from how you expected him to look it it's like okay yeah why wouldn't the elves look like these old men who have maybe just been working for Santa for forever have been like, you know, in, in servitude of Santa for however long, because we do find out that Santa has been trapped for a very, very long time. And these elves have just been kind of like waiting, (laughs) waiting to get him, (laughs) you know, to do the jailbreak. And now it just kind of happened to work out. But Mm -hmm. I do love, I think it's so creepy because they seem, because they're older, it almost feels like there's this stillness and this wickedness to them that's very creepy. Like when he's just looking at them, it it feels like he could just start like breaking, (laughs) (laughs) like cricking and bricking and like turning into something else at any moment, just from the way that he is moving from the way that he's looking at them. And then, and then when you see all of them together, first of all, there's a ton of them. So many, they're all so many elves. They're They're all all naked. naked. Very a 24. Yeah. Yeah. A 24 might've gotten, (laughs) might've gotten a little bit of, uh, of, uh, inspiration from this one, but I did, I I did want to say, I did find an interview with the director and he said, cause he was asked, where did you find that many old men who are willing to participate and do what you needed of them? And he said, it wasn't so hard to find them. We shot the movie in the northern part of Norway because of the mountains. There was a small village where we spent all of our time. There was this old man choir. All of the guys that were in the man choir were really interested to be in the film. Don't ask me why. They liked <laughs> to do it. <laughs> and then basically... He would say, you know, we would shoot for 40 seconds and then we would move them inside for 20 minutes because it was so cold. Right. But so, yeah, he just found all these guys who wanted to do it. And so they were able to have a ton of elves. Like I said, it looks like a, so many of them. But yeah. I don't know. It's like 
something about them being older just brought this creepy element. I feel like it's because that's when you see that vision of Santa or like that older white beard kind of look to it. It feels like that should be really warm and inviting and Mm -hmm. comfortable. And in this one, it's like they're grimy, they're dark, they're, there's just something wrong about them. And mm. there's just something that made me, like, especially when they all start popping up out of the woods, oh, that, yeah. that made me feel it, like itchy. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. There's definitely like a menacing air to it too. Yeah. I felt it a lot when they did like the fake reveal scene after they decided that this is Santa Claus and he does like that little stand up um because he's like all hunched over and everything then they decide that santa claus and he does this sort of villain rise Mm -hmm. where he stands up and like you know like you said he's like staring them down it looks very menacing even though he's just an elf but in my head at the time thinking that that is santa claus right i'm like this version of santa claus scares the shit out of me like i i don't want to mess with this santa claus But even after it's revealed that they're elves and, like, the main Santa still hasn't quite awoken yet, it took a second to, like, take that in. But I think that was probably the better way to go. Not actually dealing with Santa at all kind of worked. Mm -hmm. It it, it kind of worked. At first, I was disappointed. But I think as I've, like, sat and let the last half resonate a little bit, I'm okay with it. I will say it does get real chaotic towards the end, though. Like, a lot of things for me are happening at once, and it's a little hard to keep track of things. There are some great moments within it, um, one of which is uh, the dad's friend going through and, like, throwing gingerbread cookies to get to the helicopter. (laughs) The fact that they are now shipping this ginormous net of all the town's children... (laughs) over mountaintops on a helicopter i don't know why that part made me laugh so much it looks wild (laughs) and it look he just looks like he's flying so recklessly considering there are little kids swinging from the bottom of this helicopter (laughs) i just kept waiting for him to make a a sharp turn and just to have them all whack into the mountain because he was going (laughs) just felt like he was making some wild maneuvers i mean we never established that he knows how to fly a helicopter so that all well could have been his first flight with right. the fate of every child in the town in his hands. Right. I guess and it seems like he is proficient enough to at least know what he's doing, but yeah, all of a sudden this guy can just fly a helicopter and <laughs> we have total faith that this net is going to hold cuz there is I got like 50 kids <laughs> in <laughs> in in potato sacks and the bottom of this net plus uh pietri is just grabbing onto the net dangling from the outside yeah having the time of his life yeah (laughs) having a freaking ball and i love that i thought the ending of this was really fun but i do get what you're saying because it's we don't really know what the plan is i will say they give pietri this line that i think is supposed to kind of alert us onto what the plan is it sounds cool he sounds badass but i didn't know what the fuck he meant he said it and i was like boy what (laughs) what do you mean elaborate you know give me give me the bullet points or something because Uh i had no idea what he meant so when they went away 
I didn't understand what was happening. I eventually I, I caught on and I was like, oh, OK, this is this is the plan. I see they're going to mm-hmm. blow up, blow up the Santa. Um, but it did take me a minute to realize that I didn't mind it, though, because I at that point I was just there had been so many things in this movie where I honestly had no idea of whatever was going to happen to this movie. Every five minutes, I felt like I was thrown for a loop. It felt like, have you ever seen those mazes where it's the glass? So you don't know if it's glass in front of you or if it's an opening and people just keep banging into the glass. Oh yeah. That's what I felt like. I felt like I kept finding an opening and then I would hit the glass and I was like, "Ah!" and then all of a sudden everything would change in the movie. So that's what I felt like for a majority of the movie, which I really enjoyed. And so I feel like that opened me up to be okay, just along for the ride with the ending. But there Mm -hmm. was a few minutes where they were kind of gearing the plan up where I really was confused on exactly what was going on. Yeah, because like I said, this movie takes so many like random sharp turns out of nowhere because of the mystery aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And so... One, by the time you hit the end and you see the plan, it does make sense because it, it ties back into the whole reindeer thing and all the time that they spent with the with the like holding pen and everything. Like the stuff in the beginning makes sense by the time you get to the end. It's just that last journey to get to the end and how we come full circle just feels so wild <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. all the elves are just unleashed at that point mm-hmm. that. It, it, it could be a little overstimulating, I think. Um, but I do like where we end. I do like where we land. I like this idea that because they've lost their main income, but they now have this plethora of elves, they go into the business of just selling off the idea of the Coca-Cola Santa Claus. I think that's very clever. Um, it's a great way to tie in all the beginning aspects with where they are now. Mm-hmm. And like... I think that it works, especially, you know, for something slapped with the title of Rare Exports. I do think it like it really does match what they were kind of presenting. Yeah, I liked that, too. The the Santa's in training kind of montage mm-hmm. of the end where, yeah, they take the whole year because it seems OK. So <laughs> so Pietri is going to sacrifice himself for to kill these elves. Yeah. And I did which, like which that. Which plan. <laughs> That's, I mean, what? I, I, when you, when, <laughs> I, I'm speechless. I'm speechless. I'm just trying to think of what I'm going to say. <laughs> because I feel like when you find out what the full plan was, did you need to, couldn't you have just kept flying around and distracting the elves? I guess in his head, if the plan didn't work, he would just, make sure all the elves were were trapped were contained but it seems like a big whoop to do and then you find out that yeah when santa is gone all of the elves kind of get Just released stop. from that yeah from that hold and they don't have any orders or anything that they need to any person that they're needing to serve anymore so they don't really know what to do mm-hmm. but yeah he decides uh we get it's Chekhov's gun we see earlier that there's this electrical pen that they were going to catch the reindeer in and then they never get to use it and then it comes back in the end. And mm-hmm. so <laughs> I guess I never really... Uh, so he had... The gate was closed 
and they had to open it. So he, first of all, falls at least 20 feet. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, I'm sorry. He catches himself. He does catch himself on the on the tower. Oh, that's right. That's right. He does yeah, catch yeah. On the tower. But there's a moment where they zoom out so we can see him falling where I thought, oh, he's dead from this alone. <laughs> <laughs> but he does catch himself. He climbs down. He opens the gate. He turns the electricity on. And then I guess my head in my head, I was like, well, what's next? Because who's going to close the gate? And how does this <laughs> electrical fence work? I guess it just keeps them from being able to go back over the fence. I really respect Pietri for taking charge and coming up with this plan and kind of leading our characters into the resolution of this story. Um, but the more we talk about it, the more it becomes painstakingly clear that the plan was awful. This was not a good plan. Right. Um, it worked, but the plan itself, not the best. It was wild. But I, I think that it was kind of smart to do that because I think that's one of those moments where you do realize, like, oh, he's just a kid who probably is a little bit on a hero high <laughs> because uh -huh. of everything. You can tell that he's really enjoying this moment of where it's like it's all his plan and he's kind of controlling everything and mm -hmm. it kind of feels like he's having this rush of it's all up to me and decides that he has to be the one to take this in his hands despite that really not being necessary i think it works because he is a little kid and it's that one moment where you remember like okay he doesn't think things through in the same way that an adult would probably say Mm -hmm. All right, let's let's reassess. <laughs> but I did like the I did like his little thing where he said, you know, oh, tell my dad what I did. I thought that that was sweet. I uh, yeah. that was that was cute to me. But it all ends up being fine, yeah, because they kill Santa before that ends up being an issue. They also take his horns. Yes, yeah, steal his horns. <laughs> like poachers. <laughs> Like, look, they lost $85,000 worth of product, <laughs> all right? They got to make it up somehow. <laughs> if this elves thing don't work out, you know, we got Santa's big-ass horns, yeah, baby. big old horns. Like, who's going <laughs> to... I guess I'm sure there's somebody who's going to want them, but I'm like... Someone tried to sell me some big-ass horns. I wouldn't believe them if they said, oh, this is from Santa Claus. I'm like, you better be joking. <laughs> like... <laughs> But I mean, a horn of that size, scale, and design—I yeah. think you could sell that to the right person. Because what animal you know got horns that large? You know what I mean? Right? No, they're gonna make a bag. There's some <laughs> weird, weirdo rich guy who would love to have that shit in his Honestly, foyer. <laughs> right? That's <laughs> probably how they were able to fund the year of training these yeah. goddamn Santa Claus. <laughs> they have no money otherwise. So. Yeah the santa school they do for a year i thought that that was a cool i, I thought that that was fun i mm -hmm. it made a lot of sense because and i'm glad that they did a little something in the end because otherwise i would be sat there wondering what are they going to do with all these elves because they make a mention of oh how much money can we get from all these people and i thought are you going to kill them but then i <laughs> i was like oh okay they could they're just repackaging them as santas and right. sending them off to and so basically every area of the world will have their own their own santa but yeah. i liked that i thought that that i thought that that was a a clever idea and i thought it was a fun way to end it true and i guess also based on uh stuff i saw on the internet that this whole thing is kind of based off of a short film yeah. from 2003 
um, where they explore this idea of capturing Santa Clauses and exporting them around the world. So I like that that still got or that still is tied into this story, um, since that seems to be the source material that they're pulling from. But yeah, I agree. I think it really works overall tonally, and I think it is a nice button to the story that, again, kind of it it skates this line between like dark and whimsical and i think it finds such a nice balance of the two that by the end watching the little montage it just feels right you know like it feels yeah. like the proper way to end things no yeah i agree it it fit the tone of everything well and it makes sense it just in the grand scheme of things and with what we've learned it makes sense and it makes sense that they're still thinking financially it's like we didn't go through all this shit for nothing right. we are going to get we're going to reap some kind of rewards from this we didn't just save this whole fucking village for free so mm-hmm. we're going to get something from this and also too i feel like this movie i was a little worried in the beginning because i didn't understand how the pacing of everything was going to roll out because in my head i'm thinking okay we've we've got to get to killer claws eventually but as time was going on i was really really starting to question how we were going to get there and what that was going to amount to because it just felt like we were spending a lot of time on these little elements that to me at the time i was like i don't really understand how all of this is going it's to connect. Yeah. yeah. But I will say, by the halfway point of this movie, I looked back, I realized, I was like, I stopped caring about the pacing. I'm just like in it now. And mm-hmm. and looking back, I actually felt like it was pretty well split as far as the moments and the things that we were learning and the mindset of the characters that we were in because you kind of get this beginning that almost feels like a christmas yeah like just a christmas story it's the first half of it the second half feels like a mystery the third half feels more like the horror part of of the movie and i feel like when you put it all together it works really well I mean, this movie's not long already it's an hour and 22 which i think is why i was worried because i was like we don't got mm-hmm. a lot of time to be just <laughs> to explore all be this bopping stuff. around yeah but in actuality i actually feel like they utilized every minute of that hour 22 very well and i don't feel i feel like that's hard that can be hard to do especially in like seasonal horror movies it's kind of Mm -hmm. a hard balance because most of the time people are going there because they want to see like i came for santa claus to be ripping people's throats out like that's what i want give it to me right but by the end of this i was like despite the fact that i never even got to fucking see santa claus i was fulfilled by the end of this movie (laughs) implied evil santa was honestly more than enough to get you through this one i agree I, i think it's done very well and i think it's paced um very well as well um so yeah overall like big kudos all around i was not expecting to like enjoy this one as much as i did um but by the end of it i was really i really found myself a fan also 
did his dad just leave the turkey in the oven all night? I think so. I think that's what happened. How long are you supposed to cook a turkey? Was it even a tur? Was it even a turkey? It was I feel like it was some kind of. It was bird. some like hunk of meat or something like that. I was, don't know, but it was a bird. It was a bird shape. Was it a it bird? Had, okay, okay. It, it could have been. It could have been a turkey, bones. like a Christmas. Yeah, maybe it wasn't a turkey. Maybe. Let me, Regardless, he left it in there all How night, and it was do, just far too long. You cook a turkey; it was like charred, smoky by the time. Oh, that was charcoal by the end of it. Okay, for a turkey that size, my man should have had that in for like three, three and a half hours max. Max. <laughs> he had it in there all night long, and so as a result, uh, they had gingerbread for dinner, breakfast, and lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, Lord, I know <laughs> I know you are starving. Also, I'm conflicted because he really was about to sell his dad out to the police immediately. Truly. <laughs> no words get like nothing. No words exchanged. No hesitation. He was flagging down the police car and hopped in that immediately. It was off. Left mm-hmm. his dad in the dust. <laughs> and he said, kick rocks, bitch. No remorse. <laughs> Now, granted, he did see a dead, a seemingly dead body laying on his dad's table. Uh huh. But I mean, see, in any other instance, I would say, yes, that's the smart thing to do. Because honestly, that probably is a smart thing to do. But also, like, if something weird is going on, maybe give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he didn't sell him out. But it nah, felt like he but wanted he made to. the move. <laughs> he made the necessary movements. Look, yeah. Anthony at that point was get in get shit done mode. Yeah, right? he was like basically setting up like the fail switch. If things <laughs> went wrong, he had he was trying to get all the puzzle pieces in place in case he had to sound the alarm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could see his dad was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" <laughs> like this Not little this. bastard. <laughs> on christmas day now my own son about to send me to jail honestly now the quickness with which pietro was like nope (laughs) calling the cops that shit was hilarious it was out of there he was out of there but also his dad was kind of foul because he kept bringing his friends into a potential murder scene um Mm -hmm. unbeknownst to them true and don't do that don't make your friends accessories to crimes that they didn't Mm want to be a part of because i'd be pissed you called me and said oh can you um you know how to speak uh english right and i was like yeah and you're like okay can you come over and if i came over and there was some old (laughs) man man covered in blood and soot on your butcher table Oh, I'd be heated. (laughs) I will be heated. (laughs) I thought we were just coming to watch the game. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's very true. But I don't know. I love it. I I love the way things kind of play out in this. Yeah. Um, Those little moments like him selling out his dad and like burning the turk and those little moments that are like kind of funny i think are what really guide the pace along because it's Mm -hmm. like you get mystery 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 then you laugh a little bit then like mystery 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 again i think uh, i I liked it i I dug it i was here for it i did too and honestly as much as i just talk shit about around and all the decisions that he made i did like that he wasn't uh, like a a straight cookie cutter good guy 
because you would think mm-hmm. of being the dad of our protagonist that he would be like more morally upstanding, but he's not. He is selfish to a certain degree because he's the one who's like, we should hold him hostage. We should do all these things. It's not a mm-hmm. good thing to do. I mean, in the end, it works out fine. But had this just been some guy, it's a shitty thing to do. But I will say I like the duality of a lot of these characters. I feel like it kind of plays with the Santa thing. It's like they're you expect this version of these characters because Mm -hmm. that is maybe what you've seen in other Christmas movies. But there's like a grimier side to a lot of them. And I feel like that's more realistic to life than if he was like, no, we've got to let him go. Right away, (laughs) he's like, "Uh, let's cut this. Let's chop this guy up. (laughs) Let's (laughs) get get his meat. Yeah, let's grind him up. That's yeah, so I like that. I liked that. <laughs> it's very true. My man was a little villainous yeah. to get back on it. <laughs> he had some like villainous tendencies. He definitely immediately was just ready to dispose of the body <laughs> and didn't even check to see if the guy was still alive. <laughs> nope. Well, now we know where Pietro inherited that survival instinct from. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but that covers everything I needed to talk about. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to say before we uh, rate this one? Um, no, I don't think so. I think that is, is everything I wanted to say. Okay. Um, all right. What are we going to do this time? Uh, we do like imported Santa Claus Mm -hmm. is imported (laughs) Santa Clauses, (laughs) plural. What else could we do? Santa traps. Santa traps. Um, potato sack kids. Potato sack kids. <laughs> uh, oh yes, we. I think we gotta do potato sack okay. kids. Okay. <laughs> uh, you wanna go first? Or you want me? Um, what? I think I went first last time. So why don't you go okay. first? I'll take it. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and give Rare Exports three point five out of five. Uh, potato sack kids. <laughs> I think, like, for what's presented, everything is really good. I think most of this review has been me just, like, talking about things that I've enjoyed. Like, there weren't a ton of, like, big cons or, like, things I would necessarily change. I feel like I just recognize that the movie isn't necessarily perfect. Yeah. And, like, I think that if you really wanted to nitpick it, you could. But as a horror lover who's looking for something slightly on the darker side to watch during the holidays this one really scratched the itch for me and i feel like this is a movie that i would go back to mm-hmm. if i was in the mood um around like the christmas season just to watch again because i think it's done well and en- I-, I think it's done well enough that it can stand multiple watches i think even knowing the mystery and everything that goes on i would still enjoy it the same way and i think the characters because they are so layered and imperfect ground them and make them interesting to watch so like if nothing else i enjoy watching it for the characters just to see how they interact with each other and learning a little bit about a version of santa claus that i didn't know before um so overall i think this one is definitely a solid one if you haven't seen it if you're in the mood for something slightly spooky during the christmas season i think this one is definitely one you should think about adding to your list and i think 3.5 out of 5 potato sack kids is enough for me (laughs) I'm going to go 3.9 Potato Sack Kids. Okay. I I had a lot of fun with this movie. I really liked... It was so different than what I was expecting it to be, but in a mm-hmm. good way and in the best way. I feel like it 
always went in directions that I could not foresee. And therefore, I felt like I really allowed myself to be along for the ride. And I enjoyed the ride that I went on. My favorite aspect of this movie is the Santa Claus and the elves and the way that they not only get introduced, but I will say I just feel like the storytelling of this movie was very clever to me and the sense of after the fact of a lot of things I would think back and go oh okay I get it like the thing with the him being the only kid who didn't get stolen but like his elf got caught and then the thing with like the the heaters and all these little the potato only the sacks from the potatoes being taken things like that I felt like were really clever and tied the story up well my only thing is uh, it's full of whimsy. It, the, I love the mystery aspect of it. I wouldn't have mind having a little bit more horror. I think, honestly, that would have upped this movie for me. Um, mm-hmm. I understand maybe that was not the focus of this movie, but I just felt I just found myself kind of wanting that a little bit more. And also, too, I, I, I honestly wouldn't have minded a little bit of extra time with this movie um, to really dive into some of those aspects that I liked so much because I wanted to spend more time. I think once we made the discovery of what was actually going on, I don't mind that everything got cleaned up so quickly, but I also kind of wanted to spend a little bit more time dealing with these elves and what makes them tick and the Santa Claus and and what the um, like the... Like, what was their game, their end game? End like, goal. End goal, yeah. Like, I understand they wanted to take these children, but I kind of wanted to know, like, on a grander scale of potentially what that could mean. So those were the only things that I would have would have enjoyed seeing more. But, no, yeah, I think this is a fun one, and I would definitely recommend this to people for a little a Christmas, a kooky Christmas watch. So mm-hmm. 3.9 potato sack kids out of five. Very, very nice. Also... <laughs> I love that Pietre also had that little stuffed reindeer that he was carrying around with him everywhere. It was like Vupe Vupe or something like that. I don't remember what what the name was, but that was adorable. That was adorable. Yeah, that he was carrying around on a leash. That was cute. Oh, but also too, sorry, but this that brings up something I did actually want to say earlier is I feel like him leaving that behind when he goes through the door, that's like him stepping into like leaving his that childlike quality of himself True. behind. I thought that that was like a cool a cool element cuz he carries yeah, that with him. There. Yeah, he brings that with him everywhere he goes and then he's like avoiding this the 20 this he's he's trying to like push Christmas off and so he avoids like this this 24th day of Christmas thing and then when he finally decides to like face it, because he knows what's gonna happen. But when he finally decides to face it, I like that he leaves his stuffed animal behind. I thought that was like a cool little little thing. But if you guys want to talk about this movie, we would love to hear what you think of it if you've seen it. And like we said, give us more recommendations for holiday horror, just for our enjoyment, just to bring us merry cheer throughout the season so if you would like to do that you can talk to us on our social media we are homies of horror on everything or if you prefer to talk a little bit more in depth and also maybe chit chat with the other homies you could always come into our discord the link for that is also in our social media bios that's where we hang out with the homies and talk throughout the week uh so we'd love to see you in there you can also email us we are homies of horror at gmail.com 
And if you're listening to this on Monday, that means we are streaming on Twitch tonight, playing a different type of game, but a super fun game. And we would love to see you guys come through and hang out and say hello. So if you would like to do that, the link for that is also in our social media bios. And last but not least, if you are so inclined, we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. The more we get, the better. It recommends our show to more listeners, and we just like to hear what you guys are thinking. So if you have an Apple account and haven't done that, we would love for you to. Or if you're listening over on Spotify, just go ahead and click the stars underneath our name to leave us a rating and consider those a gift from you to us this holiday season. But that is it for us today, homies. We hope that you enjoyed this holiday horror-filled episode, and we will be back next Monday with some more. Catch you next time, homies. Bye.